Episode of Hitting Pater by Impact Sports. This is episode number 60, and I'm Alex Beaudry. On the docket today, we're going to talk some cornerback money. Uh, Jair Alexander getting an extension with the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about that. And then we have James Bradbury moving from the New York Football Giants over to the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll talk about his contract. But first, we have an emergency. Somebody call the Wambulance. Wah! <laughs> Nick Saban. Full-blown meltdown mode this past week over NIL. This all started earlier in the week. He gave an interview. <clears throat> I don't know where it was. <coughs> Excuse me. Outside on a football field SEC week or something like that. Complaining about how NIL is going to, and he said this with a straight face, affect the parody of college football. <laughs> I've been saying this for months on this podcast. What parody? What parody? In the eight years that we've had the college football playoff, the four-team playoff, it's been the same four teams half the time. And I think Alabama's been to the playoffs six of those eight times. Now, he, if he were here to defend himself, he'd say, well, but we're all playing by the same rules. It's not our fault that we're good, that we do it better than everybody else. Which is fine, but you know what? When you can recruit, there's no parity. It's not like professional sports where there's a draft and there's a division of talent and you're truly trying to win with the same pieces. When you're Alabama, when you're Ohio State, when you're Clemson, when you're Georgia, and you're playing with five-star recruits and other teams in your same conferences are trying to get by with two- and three-star recruits, there's no parity. And now NIL with some teams and some boosters getting involved is allowing some of these recruits to take a different avenue. And it is truly starting to divide the pie here in terms of recruiting. All of a sudden, Nick Saban has a problem with it. So he said earlier in the week, he said it twice in the same interview, that's going to upset the parody, which again is laughable because there is no parody in college football. There is probably three to four teams every year that has a legitimate shot of winning a national championship. Outside of those three to four teams, I mean, look at last year. Last year is a perfect example. Alabama and Georgia were the two best teams by far. Both, both Alabama and Georgia kicked the shit out of Michigan and Cincinnati in their semifinal games. So there was, there was two teams that could win it last year. So, you know, spare me about parity. If NIL can make it so that there's 10 to 15 teams every year that can win a national championship, think about how great that's going to be for the sport. Okay? <clears throat> so then we get to last night. And last night, uh, Nick Saban was speaking at some event in Alabama. And... And he he <laughs> he went hard in the paint. <laughs> this is a quote, and I'm uh, quoting off of Mike Rodak's Twitter account at Mike Rodak. Uh, Saban, we were second in recruiting last year. Texas A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. 
but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Nick Saban would go on. Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper. They bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. <clears throat> Quick side note, Deion Sanders already took Twitter to say that this is a lie and he's going to come after Nick Saban. I'm here for that. <laughs> Let's get some. And then last, these guys from Miami, talking about John Ruiz, that are going to play basketball there for $400,000. That's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. But the NCAA can't enforce the rules because it's not against the law, and that's an issue. That's a problem. Okay, a couple of thoughts. One, the comment about Texas A&M. He says, we were second in recruiting, A&M was first. What are you complaining about? So if A&M has to go out, let's assume that everything he said is factually correct. A&M has to go out, and they I, th- I think the rumor is they spent $20 million on that recruiting class. Again, if that's true, those are just rumors. But if that's true, Nick Saban, you are still second in the, in the country in terms of your recruiting class. What, you're upset because you're not first? Now you have to compete with somebody else in your conference? Like, <clears throat> what's the complaint? If you just saved your school $20 million because you're able to recruit better, I don't understand the problem. And if you're going to say, oh, well, it's not fair because people are playing by different rules. First of all, if you're going to tell me that Alabama and their boosters have never slid a duffel bag of cash under a kitchen table or never bought an uncle and an auntie a house for a recruit, I have a bridge to sell you. Nick Saban and the university may not have been involved directly with those things, but if you're going to tell me a booster's never slid a duffel bag of cash under a kitchen table, I got a bridge to sell you because it happens, and it happens all the time. And Alabama getting those five-star recruits who are getting greased up for the NFL, you can't tell me that they're doing it exactly by the book. So, one, spare me. And two, you still have the second-ranked recruiting class. You still have five stars coming in. It's not like the cupboard's bare for Alabama, and all of a sudden they're going to be a four-win team. So what? So a couple of other schools are getting better, and they're catching up, and if they have to do it this way, then so be it. Like, I, I truly do not understand what his biggest complaint is other than he can no longer dominate the landscape of college football, which I say, good. Like, now he has to do it on his coaching merit. It can't just be recruiting. You have to do it by X's and O's and by developing these players. And just because Texas A&M gets eight five-star recruits this year doesn't mean those guys are going to be the absolute best. Now it's up to Jimbo Fisher and his staff to develop those young men into good football players, and they have to go out and win a championship. And again, if A&M now gets to the playoff by doing it this way, I think that's great for college football. I think it's fantastic. Let's get some new blood in there. Let's get some other fan bases, some hope. You know, spare me this parody argument. But, you know, Nick Saban had no problem calling out these other programs, by the way, without any proof. So it'll be fun to watch the fallout of this. Um, <clears throat> I've been saying it here for months. The fact that these big-time college football coaches like, <clears throat> like Clemson, like Georgia, like Alabama – since they are the ones throwing the biggest hissy fits here, NIL's working, in my opinion. Players are getting paid. Fantastic. They should have been from the get-go. <clears throat> and now these big-time programs have to compete on a level they haven't had to compete for, and I think that's great. I would love nothing more to see an Iowa, 
Texas A&M, Texas, and USC football playoff next year. That would be great for the sport. It would be fantastic for college football. It would get more fan bases involved. Ratings would be up. We don't need the same four teams in there every year. Let's get some true parity, and let's let Nick Saban have his own temper tantrum. Last thing on this. If Nick Saban wanted to, let's assume, again, he's saying that Alabama's on the up and up here and they're not doing NIL like everybody else is doing NIL to recruit. All he has to do is say the word. And Alabama's boosters would be all over this. And then he would back and have his own power grip. So, again, no tears lost for Nick Saban or Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State or some of these other programs. Like, they have probably the most boosters in the country. Nick Saban in Alabama football is right up there with God in the South. So if he says, hey, this is what we're getting into, they would probably spend the most money than any any team in the country, but they don't want to do that, and they, don't, they haven't had to do it. So, <clears throat> you know, spare me. Nick Saban, call the ambulance. Hopefully he's okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. So... I think this is fantastic for college sports, and um, I think it's great. And, you know, Jay Wright had a had a comment about um, NIL. Everybody kind of suspected he left Villanova basketball because he was sick of dealing with the NIL, but that, that doesn't seem to be the case. And he made the comment, look, look how many of these guys are staying an extra year now because they're getting paid. They don't have to try and go pro, especially in basketball. They're not leaving after a year to try and make it in the NBA to get some money. No, what they're doing is they're sticking around a little bit longer because they're making half a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year. They can stay in school for another year, continue to develop. There's not a rush to go pro. NIL is fantastic. I'm sick of the temper tantrums. Pay the kids. Let's get some true parity. All right, off my soapbox there. <clears throat> Jair Alexander. Um. He signed a four-year, $84 million contract extension with the Green Bay Packers. That will kick in next year. So he gets a $30 million signing bonus, which will be split up over the next five years. So $6 million prorated every year for the next five years with an average annual salary of $21 million. So four years, $84 million, $21 per year. $30 million of that is guaranteed in the form of a signing bonus. So here is why the contract is fantastic for him. And then there's some other things that um, the Packers do that are not always player friendly. And I'll I'll walk through how the team side is of an advantage. So first things first, Um, they drop his base salary this year to just over $1 million. And then with that $6 million prorated signing bonus, he has a very reasonable cap hit of just over $7 million. He is getting $31 million in cash this year. So again, his $30 million signing bonus plus his $1 million base salary, $31 million in cash this year. So Jair Alexander gets paid. He gets paid immediately. um, And the Packers get a very low cap hit. So it's a win-win in year one in year two he continues to have a very low base salary 1.2 million dollars 
still has that $6 million signing bonus proration. He has a $12.1 million roster bonus that will hit on the third day of the league year. So sometime in March next year. And then he's got some, he's got about $700,000 in a workout bonus. So the Packers are incentivizing him to <clears throat> get his offseason workouts at the facility, team facility. So he's got a cap hit next year of $20 million and a dead cap value of $24 million. So what the Packers tend to do, other than for Aaron Rodgers, special rules for special players, but for everybody else, Bakhtiari, Jair, I'm sure when they were talking with Devontae Adams, this was a sticking point. The Packers will pay. Jair Alexander is now the highest paid corner on an average annual value at $21 million. He also received the highest signing bonus ever at $30 million for a corner. They will pay, but they do not guarantee contracts. So the only thing that Jair has guaranteed is his $30 million signing bonus. So beginning next year, if the Packers wanted to move on, they could. I mean, they would take a huge dead cap, dead cap hit. So he's got dead caps of $30 million this year, 24 next year, and $18 million in 2024. So you probably won't – I mean, it's basically a two-year or a three-year contract. Um, but at any time, the Packers can move on. There is no guaranteed money other than a signing bonus. So, <clears throat> you know, that's, what, that's how the Packers like to do it. Um, that's how they've always done it other than, again, Aaron Rodgers – or going back one quarterback further, Brett Favre, other than the quarterback position where they kind of have to, they don't do it in these other other areas. So, you know, on the plus side for Jair, he's now the highest paid corner on an average annual value, $21 million, about a million dollars higher than Denzel Ward and Jalen Ramsey. He has the highest ever guaranteed signing bonus at $30 million. The highest paid total guarantees, I think, is still Denzel Ward at about $44 million. But, you know, Jair Alexander sets the market at about $21 million per year. He gets a lot of that cash up front. And he'll, you know, he'll get paid over the next handful of years. What I really like about his contract here, other than the signing bonus being high, is um, it's only a four-year deal. So it, it kicks in next year. So it's kind of like a five-year deal, but he'll get one more crack at a contract when he's 29, which is good. You know, I think players, I think players should take shorter contracts, especially players like Jair. I mean, you always run the risk, right? That you get hurt, that you get caught and you never sign that next deal. However, that being said, there's no guaranteed money anyway. So, you know, in 2025, three years later, he could get cut because it's not guaranteed anyway. So, you know, a five-year deal sounds nice, five for 100 like Denzel got, Denzel Ward, and you're thinking, oh, that's fantastic. But then you look at the actual contract and, you know, the team can get out after three years because it's not fully guaranteed. So, you know, if you would have done a three-year deal, you know, add three years on by the time he gets to he's 28 now get that sign that next deal because again the more contracts you can sign when you're at the top of your game the more money you're going to get paid so I, I like that he only did a four-year deal even though it's kind of like a five-year deal because it doesn't kick in until next year um, he can still sign that next contract when he's still 29 30 years old 
hopefully make a little bit extra money. So I like that part of it. Obviously the signing bonus being the largest ever is fantastic. And, you know, he reset the market at $21 million per year as a top corner. So fantastic for him. If you're on the team side, they get to save a ton of cash this year, uh, which really helps the salary cap this year, whether they want to make a run at a veteran wide receiver, whether they just keep this money in the bank and forward that salary cap into next year, um, which is good. That's what the Packers enjoy doing. <clears throat> Cause let's, let's have some more salary cap for future years. Um, they can keep their homegrown talent. I think that's really good. And they locked down probably the top corner, one of the top corners for the next handful of years. And this defense is honestly the best it's probably ever been from a talent standpoint. Now they need to put it all together. Cause you got Jair, you got Douglas, you got Stokes, you got Savage, you got Amos. All those defensive backs, plus they really beefed up the front of their the front seven of the defense this year. I think they could probably use a, an extra rotation guy at defensive end. You know, get some get some more pressure on the quarterbacks. But man, this defense is set up to win, and the offense might take a, a, a small step back here without Devontae Adams. Um, but this Packers roster, I think, is set to succeed. So, um, I think as a win win, I think both sides did great here. Um, his agent, agents from Rock Nation, John Thornton and Charles Fisher, I think did fantastic. Congrats to them. Congrats to their client. <clears throat> really resetting the market, which is good for everybody. And, um, yeah, a good a good deal on both sides. Okay, last one, um, James Bradbury. So the Giants uh, kind of put themselves in a little bit of salary cap hell with some of their questionable deals over the handful of years, which is probably why Dave Gettleman is no longer there. <coughs> Excuse me. So they had to cut James Bradbury, a really nice corner. He's 28 going on 29 here. <coughs> Excuse me. My kid brought the plague home from daycare. Um, so he's going on 29. Uh, so they had to cut him for salary cap reasons. And like classic New York Giants fashion, he just goes across across the way a little bit, stays in the division, and goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. I saw someone report that he signed a one-year $10 million contract. Spot track is showing a one-year $7.5 million deal with 7.25 of that guaranteed, so pretty much a fully guaranteed deal. Only one year, kind of a prove-it type deal. Um, his agent's Chris Coy from Vanguard's, Vanguard Sports Group. You know, a nice deal, nice little bounce back. Sure, I'm sure he would have preferred to have stayed in New York where they owed him, you know, 14 and a half per year. But he gets to go to a much better team, gets to kind of prove it. And like I said with Jair, he's only 29 this year. You get another chance to sign another contract when you're 30 if you continue to play at a high level. So kind of a bet on himself type deal. And man, this Philadelphia team... Like, if they don't make a deep run in the playoffs, it is not by a lack of trying. They've addressed several areas of need, this just being the last one. Brian and I talked about it on Monday's podcast. You know, cornerback is probably their last area of true need. They get some late veteran help here with a good signing from James Bradbury. They had a fantastic draft, in my opinion. They brought in A.J. Brown. I mean... Jalen Hurts has the weapons. The defense has been 
stacked now in terms of the draft and adding veteran talent. And they're going to be a very formidable team in that NFC East. And my pick of the Dallas Cowboys, I'm getting less and less confident as each day, as each day goes by here because uh, I, I really like what Philadelphia has done. And if they can't get it done, it's probably, the, it's probably because of Jalen Hurts. And that may be the end of his quarterback reign in Philly. But if they make a deep run, they have set him up for a great level of success. And man, they have a, they have a deep roster. So um, they're going to be a team to watch for sure this year. So, yeah, that's what I that's what I had for you. So we had some corners getting paid. We had the temper tantrum by Nick Saban. This this NIL stuff's not going away and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. I'm here for it. So much fun. And uh <laughs> and uh yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Follow me on Twitter impact sports management on instagram at impact sports underscore football and hopefully this weekend we'll get mike back in the booth and by booth i mean my basement at a table with two microphones on it um we haven't talked to him in a few weeks we'll get his thoughts on all of this and if not i know that uh mr brian klemecki is making an appearance next week as well so we'll keep those those podcasts flowing and again hope you all enjoyed it and we will talk to you all later bye